Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Renoy, and this is the podcast for therapists where we help explore the things that therapists should be aware of in their practice and the way that we help our clients and continuing to, I don't know, kind of pursue topics like their Pokemon where we got to catch them all. <laughs> We are joined today by Ofro Bejas, LCSW, registered play therapist, supervisor level to help us talk about doing play therapy correctly with children. Another one of our topics that, despite for how long we've been going, we haven't really covered in depth. So thank you for coming and joining us and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you here. You're a friend of the show and a friend of mine, and so glad that we get to finally put you on. I think we've mentioned you on a couple of podcasts because uh, you always are awesome and give us some feedback on what we're what we're talking about. But now we get to pick your brain on the things that you know. But before we get started, I'm going to ask you the question we ask everyone, which is, who are you and what are you putting out into the world? I'm a child therapist in the Los Angeles area, and I also teach webinars and courses on topics related to children therapy on different platforms. So I work with teens, which are in some ways just many versions of adults and the way that we do therapy with them. Sometimes we incorporate some different activities, but I kind of shy away from working with younger kids because surprise, they are not just many, many adults. <laughs> what do therapists usually get wrong in working with children when it comes to just kind of especially their first sessions of what they're trying to expect to do? Well, you nailed it. You're right that uh, children are not just adults that come in a size small. <laughs> and working with them doesn't mean just talking slowly and using a dumbed down vocabulary. Like, you know, I, I'm thinking if you work with adults on self-injury, you work with kids on self-boo-boo. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. Stop self-boo-booing. <laughs> yeah, stop. Why, why are you self-boo-booing? So some therapists who are just starting out and they're worried about not getting enough work might say that they work with everyone, adults, teens, children, you know, you check the boxes zero to five, five to 12, 12 to 18, without having any particular experience. And I sometimes get refugees from these therapists, my clients mm. who have gone to somebody else. And I always ask them, what did the other therapists do with you? And what I hear is that they are just using adult talk therapy and they're doing it with children. And in one case, 
a therapist who worked with one of my refugees took the term therapeutic interview literally and interviewed the child. <laughs> so I would encourage you <laughs> like listeners. With a, with a light over the top, like, and why did you do that, young man? <laughs> I, I can imagine. Or uh, when you hear the word such and such, what comes to mind? I mean, they really interviewed, asked questions. The, the kid said they asked me, he just asked me questions. How and funny. I hope your listeners who get curious and want to work with this population at least get some familiarity, some experience, some training before they say, I work with children. I think it's something where, you know, play therapy, it sounds like you're just playing. And I think that's another thing that you and I've talked about is that there's actually a skill to play therapy. Yeah. And uh, something I hear from adults who might have tried a different therapist is, well, they just played with my kid. Mm -hmm. Or I had a client family recently who said, you know, the kid is still doing the behavior. It's time to stop this play therapy thing. We need some real therapy. <laughs> so what is real therapy for kids? <laughs> so real therapy for kids takes into account all the ways that children are different from adults. You know, if you work with adults, even if you had poor therapy training, or as long as you know what you're doing, what you're doing is talking to a peer, basically. At worst, you are like a good friend who is a good listener and has empathy. Yes. But kids have different developmental stages. They have different brains. They have a different nervous system. When we work with different populations, we're very careful as therapists to be sensitive to issues of diversity. Yeah. Learning different cultures. Well, what is a more different culture than a child? You're practically having an alien in your office. <laughs> 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 you don't, we don't relate. You know, we forgot what it's like to be kids. We never understood ourselves as kids. We really need to understand everything is, it is different about kids. They, the world is different. You know, the Santa Claus and the tooth fairies are real. So, so we mm -hmm. think we're going to have a rational conversation. <laughs> when parents bring kids to therapy, it's not always the kids who wanted to come to therapy and they don't know what it is. They might not know how to describe what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and they don't know what this thing is. As a therapist, it is our job to tease it out. Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of kids have no idea what therapy is and didn't want to come. Yeah, although if they come into a play therapy room, like the room that I have, it doesn't take much to convince them. Oh, sure. But I, I do prepare the parents in what to say. A lot of times we act as translators when we hear kids say things, they don't always mean it literally. They don't mean what they say. They don't say what they mean, which we kind of take for granted with adults. But I've, I've had so many parents call me and say, my kid wants to kill themselves. Oh, what do mm. they say? They say, I wish I was dead. And then I am the translator explaining to the parents, well, no, that's just a figure of speech. Well, something is happening, but let's find out what it is. But, you know, the most important thing in my orientation, and it took me a long time to figure it out, is how close to the surface the transference, counter-transference is with children. They don't tell you what they feel, but they will make you feel what they feel. Mm. A child sets up the people in their world, other kids, parents, teachers, any adults, the therapist to feel what the child is feeling because they might not know how to describe it, but they will know what to do to make you feel it. 
And that is such an important tool and took me a long time to develop it. And I'm still in training. So for example, what is something that is very common with children is they don't feel that they have any power. The adults have all the powers, the teachers, caregivers, family. So the first thing a child might do coming to my office is put me in handcuffs. Oh, Now I know what it feels like to have no power. And if they're really good, they would tie my hands behind my back. Oh, wow. In handcuffs. <laughs> I really, I really don't have any power now. So immediately I understand this is what they're trying to show me. Or let's say with a teenager, working with a teenager who has severe social anxiety, and I'm trying to understand a world on an iPad, and she shows me things that she looks at on the internet. And I say, oh, so you're a fan of somebody on Instagram? She says, it's not called a fan. You follow them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You, uh, so you, these people you follow, you, you follow their posts. It's not posts, it's stories. <laughs> so I'm starting to feel like I can't get anything right. Every mm. time I open my mouth, I might sound even more stupid. Ah, okay. That is her world. This is what she's trying to show me. I'm worried about what other people think about me. I'm worried about not being liked. I'm worried about embarrassing myself. I feel it. And now I can name it for her, even if she didn't know how to say it. And now I can start using the therapeutic tools. So I can say something like, I'm really nervous. It's really scary to not know what people will think when I say something. I might sound stupid. Wow. It's, 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 that's tough. It's like I'm being nervous all the time. I'm worried about what you might think about me. And then, of course, I can start modeling and practicing the therapeutic tool, the cognitive restructuring, the positive self-talk, the exposure, incremental exposure to goals. And that is the treatment. But first, I had to pay attention to what is it that she's trying to show me. And, and like I said, it took me a long time. We are not using anymore the model of the therapist as a blank slate. Yeah. But when I graduated, I was under the impression that I needed to be a professional. That means not showing my feelings, keep my feelings out of the room. And it took a lot for me to get that I was doing something wrong because I, working with children, was trying very hard not to show anger. No matter what the kid did, I would never get angry. Mm. I really kept it together. And the kids did not see a true authentic expression for me. They would break things, they would mess up things. And, you know, it got harder and harder <laughs> to, you know, the, the smile gets tighter and tighter. Oh, I'm okay. I'm not mad at you through clenched teeth. <laughs> and I learned that it's more scary to the children when the adult is incongruent yeah. and not showing their true feelings. It's less scary to see somebody angry than it is to somebody pretending that they're not angry but they are. And the kids would up the ante. If you're not showing what they want you to show, you don't get it. They'll up the ante. Oh, I just slimed your couch. I put slime all over your couch. Are you angry now? Oh, no, no, I'm not angry. Oh, how about uh, I break your toys? Are you angry now? Are you angry now? And this level of aggression in my playroom was off the charts. I said, I am doing something wrong. I don't know what it is, but I need to figure this out. And I found the right training, which happens to be Colorado Plate Therapy Institute. Now it has a different name. And I started noticing and showing what I was really feeling and naming it. Hmm. And that is the work with children. And I, I did not know this when I graduated, even though I was in a, in a children and youth concentration program. 
Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. You know, one of the regular questions that we ask goes back to the training that therapists get. And I know, at least for my education, when it came to kind of the children's therapy aspects, that a big piece of it just seemed to focus on developmental stages. I'm sure that there was other things, but, you know, now that we're 15 plus years later, those are the parts of that class that I kind of remember. But I remember in those classes feeling like, okay, yeah, but what do we do with this? And that's what you're speaking to as far as having to get this more specialized training or learning from experience. What is your experience, especially as a a supervisor in this, of how to best bridge kind of moving into this stage of learning what to do or how to do these steps that you're talking about so that way we can be more beneficial to our clients sooner? You know, the the question you asked, what do you do with children? Some people might be familiar with the late Violet Oaklander, who wrote uh, a book, Windows to Our Children. And I was lucky enough to get to meet her in person and be involved in the training with her. And she said that she wanted to name that book, What Do You Do With Children? (laughs) what What do you actually do in the room with children? And you take whatever orientation you have. Is it Gestalt? Violet Oaklander happened to be Gestalt. Is it CBT? And just interacting with the child. A lot of it is psychodrama reenacting situations as if they're happening, whether with toys or with sand play or with puppets. But it's just taking the conversation with an adult to another level of just let's pretend it's happening. And we're acting as if it's happening to us right now. That is a part that is missing in a lot of graduate programs, even ones that concentrate on children, like the one I was at, is what do you actually do in the room? You take whatever orientation you are familiar with and you bring it in and you comment on it. And like I said before, you notice how am I feeling? What is the kid setting me up to feel? And following the lead of the child, they will be very good. They're very good at showing you what, what they want. And what is it that they're interested in showing you? Not what do you want to ask, but they'll ignore you completely and just say, let's do this other thing. <laughs> just follow along and pay, you know, again, paying attention to the transference, come to transference. 
Yeah, I know when I was doing that little bit of play therapy that I did before I felt like I was in over my head, I definitely had clients replaying traumatic scenes over and over again. I don't know how many times I was killed and resuscitated and how many times I was shamed and bullied uh, in a school setting. It was it was really very interesting. But it, it seems to me, especially what you're talking about, Ofra, it, it it's gone beyond non-directive play therapy where you kind of sit and let the kid play and you kind of reflect back. Like it seems like there really is a need for specialized training. What does that look like and how do you choose which orientation or modality to use when working with kids? Yeah. How do you know what to try? The play therapy program that I trained in and then later taught at the University of San Diego has 22 classes wow. and different modalities, Gestalt, EMDR, CBT, sensory motor, Whatever it is that you are gravitating towards, resonate with, there is a version of it with children. There is a special protocol in MDR for working with children. It's whatever you want to do. You can find a class that says you can do this with children. And in many of those classes, I said, this isn't for me. That is not what I want to do. This doesn't resonate with me. I resonated more with experiential I had a teacher in um, my graduate school practicum who trained with the Nortons, which I know a lot of people don't know. It's like if you're a group therapist and you trained with Yalom, mm -hmm. the therapist in the agency where I did my practicum, a child guidance center, taught us how to do play therapy in the room by showing videos of what he did. And you take whatever you want to take from it. So like I said, it's not just take the adult interview and do it in a room with a child. And Katie, you said a lot of reenactments. What are we reenacting? Part of the training is, okay, so what are they trying to show me? And how do I respond? How yeah. do I do the therapy with this? Sometimes when I teach, I say, what is therapy? I mean, we always talk, <laughs> always talk about therapy. What is it that we do? Are we like being a friend? Are we listening? So what is a therapy on a bumper sticker? If you had to put it in three words, it's notice it, sit with it, and make meaning of it. Or in an um, experiential model, it's you observe it, you name it, and then you model how to cope with it. Mm. And when you mentioned the re reenactment with a child, okay, the child is showing you something. Is he scared or is he trying to show mastery? I'm not afraid. I can do it. And then you name it. Oh, I see blah, blah, blah happening. I feel this or that. And what is the name for it? Oh, this is being nervous. This is being scared. This is being frustrated. What do we do when we are feeling this way? Oh, let me show you. When I'm scared, I take a deep breath. And then I'll look around. And I remind myself that I'm in the room and I'm safe. And that is the same as you would do with an adult, just like you're really breaking it down <laughs> to the components. I want to talk about case conceptualization here, because when I do work with younger kids, as a trained marriage and family therapist, I kind of conceptualize, okay, we're going to get to doing parent work to being able to, you know, kind of create this space to help reinforce what the goals are that get done in the therapy room. My intention from almost the beginning is, all right, let's get this to family work. I know that you're not a marriage and family therapist and might not have that same conceptualization. So I'm wondering how you come up with kind of the unit of treatment that you're looking for from the beginning as far as how you start to conceptualize the work that you're doing here. 
Yeah, no, it's not really that different. I know that there's a, a belief that maybe uh, MFTs and LCSW and LSPCC are completely different. I haven't seen any difference. I, I <laughs> Me either. Go, obviously, to a social work program. But as social workers, we learn about systems. And of course, marriage and family therapy, the family is a system. So how do you decide, well, who do you treat? Well, is it an individual issue with the child? Like the child is afraid of the dark, can't fall asleep. Is it a parent-child issue, a relationship issue, a family environmental issue? And you figure out, is, is the child an identified patient? Is it the family struggling through something and the child is the canary in the coal mine? Sure. We, we, we don't have a different approach clinically as social workers. I'm not sure about LPCC, but I've, I've worked alongside MFTs and I didn't see any difference. And then the joke, my LCSW friend says, when you go to all these conferences for MFTs and there's nothing about children, no classes, like <laughs> the name is marriage and family therapist. Families usually have children. <laughs> why, why is it always the, the, the couple and the individual? In systems, and the family is a system, and you figure out, do, do I need to change the system? Do I need to change the environment? I don't remember if you had Stephon Lewis on your we podcast. Mm -hmm. You did. And he, he has said something I really like. Sometimes working with a child is working with somebody who has a tiger at home. And you work with them, and you figure out what to do with the child, and then they go home. And then people ask the child, why do you still get bitten by the tiger? And that's community mental health in a nutshell, <laughs> <laughs> working with underserved population, working with the child only. And Kurt, you're right. You got to look at the family and say, am I just going to work with the child or am I going to work with the whole system? With the parents? Do, do I need a client for 15 years or 15 sessions? So <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, it's sometimes difficult to work with the whole system because even when it's just the child's, the child's issue, the parents want to be seen. And of course, they matter. I don't believe in black box. You know, you drop the child off. I do what I do to them. I give them back to you and I don't tell you anything. I do believe in involving the parents, at least tell them what I'm seeing and what they can support. But sometimes parents are so dysregulated when they come to the session that it becomes all about them. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons to set very, very strong boundaries and not have a parent take over the session or, God forbid, complain about the child in front of the child. I always tell parents, imagine you go to couple counseling and it's always like, oh, let me tell your therapist what he did or what she did. We, we don't do it here. You can, you can tell me in between sessions. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of boundaries that are really important in this treatment because there's oftentimes a lot of different relationships. I mean, I would joke that, you know, the unit of treatment is whoever I can get to come. And so oftentimes that would be like a caregiver and the kid and maybe a sibling when they didn't have extra childcare or something. Like it was just whoever's there, let's do this thing. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. But it seems like you're, you've got relationships with each member of the, the unit of treatment, whatever that is, and then there's also 
so many people that are emotionally dysregulated. How are the clinical boundaries different within this type of treatment? It, kids are different. Like I know I had kids that wanted me to adopt them, who would hug me. I know I had parents who all of a sudden I became a co-parent and I had to really push back against that. And so talk, I guess, a little bit broadly about boundaries, because it seems like there's so many different things to consider there. Right. So the unit of treatment is the boundary. Who is who is showing up? Who are, am I expected to work with? And what are the goals? Setting the goals is so helpful in figuring out what are we working on? What are we not working on? Are we working on family issues or are we not? I once expected a, to see a child who was seven and five people showed up. And I just looked and said, what is it that we're doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I pulled the mom aside and I said, what did you see happening here today? <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, you said you, you work with children and my, so my seven-year-old and also my 12-year-old and also my 18-year-old and everybody was there. And I said, well, maybe I can help them too, but not today. <laughs> this is not, we're not going to all be here today for a one size fits all session. So defining who's coming in, if I need to have a parenting only session to say, here's what I'm seeing, here's what the parents can do to support the treatment. We're just going to do a separate session with the parents. Really, who is showing up? I like something Angela Caldwell said, and I don't know if I don't remember where it was. She's dealing with caregivers who are not available to come in. And she said, if they're alive, they're available. I think that was on our podcast. We'll have to share that one in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. But, you know, when it comes to boundaries with the child, again, why it's so important to know what you're doing and be grounded in training. I, I wrote down a list of everything that's happened to me with children. It's really different working with them. The worst thing an adult client could do to you is be mean to you like say something hateful or hurtful. I mean, that's not the worst thing. They could, they could come with a weapon or they could sexually assault you, but but that's a whole other podcast episode. Right. Within talk parameters. Yes. Of course, they could be also unsafe. Of course, they can ignore your advice or be mean to you, but with kids, you know, they're children and they're going to act childishly. So here's some things that have happened to me. I already mentioned being handcuffed. I've had children, Punch me, kick me, call me names, mock me, shush me, blindfold me, grope me, kiss me. I've had private parts shown to me despite my objections. Wow. One kid at a whole session, au naturel. <laughs> <laughs> I had sand thrown in my face. I got locked out of my own office. I had a child bolt out of the room and hide in the building and I couldn't find them. I had to call the parent. They say, I don't know where your kid is. They trashed my room. And like you said, Katie, they climb onto your lap and tell you that they love you. Mm -hmm. And you better know how to deal with these things. And you're not there to be the disciplinarian and tell them that they were bad and they shouldn't do this. You have to know how to acknowledge what they're feeling, communicate the limit and redirect. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do with grownups too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's more why I've not worked with kids is dealing with the parents in that role of parent. I I obviously work with a lot of folks who are parents, but it becomes very different when a parent is coming about their kid, whether it's being very frustrated at their indifference and like, fix my kid, it's their problem, or the overbearing, like, I will be involved in every session. 
parent that that is just very, very overwhelming. But it, it seems to me that it's more complex. And I think people see it as more of a throwaway because like, well, you know, my first internship, I was thrown to the wolves in community mental health and worked with little kids. And so of course, I know what I'm doing. And you know, this is how I get clients is seeing kids because, you know, there's not that many kid therapists. And, and what I'm really hearing is there's a lot more nuance, even than when I was trained about how we make sure to take care of these kiddos and treatment. Yeah, and a, a good point is that the parent over-involved or under-involved, and not to forget that the parents are grieving. No parent ever looked at their newborn baby and said, I wish my kid grows up and needs therapy. Yep. <laughs> so you, you cannot completely ignore them. A lot of psychoeducation with the parents. And something that I have yet to really master is involving the parents in a limited way, a limited way not to shut them off, but to set the boundaries around it and to be very clear about what we are and aren't going to do. And if they need their own therapy, how to get their own support. And that this is not the session for individual therapy for the parent. But of course, you have to acknowledge it. I had uh, one mother participate in the session and she asked me point blank, let me know if I'm doing anything wrong. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, here's something little that you can change that I noticed. And she just attacked me. Mm. And I went, oh, dumb, stupid me. I forgot that she's a client too. And I took her literally, what she really meant was, I want you to tell me that I'm not doing anything wrong. Yes. And I just, I forgot. I forgot she's also a patient. And I took her literally and I was like, okay, my bad. Totally my bad. I totally forgot her situation. So yeah, it's so much more complex because when you work with a child, you work with at least three people. Even if one of them is MIA, there's still an entity, like a, a missing and absent parent. The absence is also a factor and it's exponentially more difficult, And which is why a lot of people are quitting. Every week I hear another therapist saying, I don't work with kids anymore. Mm. Can't deal with the parents. I just don't need the headache. Logistically, it's a nightmare. And I just don't want to be that bothered anymore. And I, I feel this way too sometimes. I just want to see adults online and live the good life. <laughs> 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 but, you know. What has online therapy been like with kids, especially during COVID? So, I mean, not only have they been dealing with COVID, but making that transition I know in our practice, we've just kind of seen a lot more effectiveness in the office than we have been able to see online. A lot of kids clicking over to different tabs, leaving the room or just kind of putting their devices on silent. What have you seen as far as the transition for things like play therapy over the last couple of years? Yeah, it is very difficult sometimes to work with kids online, and I am not good at it. I will not see a young child for the first time online. I don't know how to establish rapport through a screen with a child. But just like there are online companies that do therapy for adults online, like what's that company called? Worse Help. There's companies, <laughs> yeah, there's companies like that for kids too. It can be done. I have experienced what you have that you're looking at the ceiling. The kid is out of the picture. But it's also nice to see their room, their pets. There's a little advantage working with kids online. They don't stink. <laughs> kids, <laughs> kids can really stink. But 
Yeah, I and I have done online sand tray, online dollhouse, online puppet theater. So technology is helpful. And I have some colleagues who really invested in doing a virtual playroom, like their playroom, and it's virtual and you can go places and do things. It's amazing. There are people training to do therapy with children VR. Wow. It's like a whole new training. And I think it's fantastic. It's not for me. And that's why I, I'm not a good person to talk about it because it's exhausting for me. And I really need to be in the room with a person, even with adults, with the pandemic. I never stopped working online because it's not for me. It's not a good match for me. But I really encourage people who want to do it to, to find the right training. There are good ways to do it. And I had to do it with some kids, even though I was in person, some parents were not comfortable bringing the kids in and I would watch the kids do their online games. And even you can do a lot when kids are playing with you online. They're also online with other people and you can see them being bullied. You can see how they react to other kids. There's a lot of good material. It's not what I want to do, but, you know, I was thinking since 2020, there are people who therapists who went to grad school online did their practicum online and have yet to see a child in person. Yeah. And I think, well, obviously it can be done, but I, I would think it's like, you know, going on, um, on an airplane with a pilot who only did simulation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, so, but online therapy is a thing. I mean, I think they are learning yeah. that, but I, I think it mm -hmm. is, it is interesting because there's, I, I've also seen just the kids in my life, not clients become much and much better at video calls. And so I, I would imagine that the kids are getting better at it. But, you know, this is a question I've been wanting to ask as many people as possible. But I think there are children who have been so impacted by the pandemic. So to me, it seems like there's more and more ways that we can help them. But there's been huge developmental delays. We talked with Dr. Barbara Stroud about the zero to five crowd. There's a lot that's been going on, and I think a lot of parents are just really worried. So, so maybe you can speak into a little bit about how kids have been disproportionately impacted by COVID. I think that the thing in the pandemic, the key to managing was to know how to stay regulated. In other words, what Dan Siegel calls staying within the window of tolerance. So you don't get hyper aroused and fight or flight or hypo aroused and collapse and shut down. But kids need somebody to help them regulate, to show them how to do it. And when the parents themselves were so ramped up, there was nobody to help the kid. You know, you have two adults and two kids in the house and everybody is working and doing school remotely. And literally and figuratively, the bandwidth is just not there. Yeah, It was the impact on the kids. I had a mom call me from her car saying, I just cursed my kid and I'm out of the house now crying. Mm -hmm. I just like, I just can't deal with it anymore. And yeah, kids have gotten very good at doing things online. You're right. I'm not sure if they're missing the connection, even when they're online. Yeah. You're just not in the room with, with, uh, with your friends, the social distancing, which is basically physical distancing. Some kids were very good at staying connected to their friends, especially boys who play online games. Well, it's no different. Yeah. They just kept doing it and had a, a, a great old time. And some have forgotten how to have a conversation. I had kids literally say, I don't know how to talk. Mm. 
I'm going to go back to school and I don't know how to have a conversation. So I, I think we have a long way to go in using online better. Where can people find out more about you and your practice? I'm sure you're going to put my website in the show notes, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Redondo Village Counseling, because I'm in Redondo Riviera Village area, and also it takes a village. Haha. I love it. I also um, just finished a live webinar on simple practice. It would be available, a simple practice learning. It will be a recording available and I'll do some more courses for them in the future. That's great. And you are correct. We will put that in our show notes and you can find those <laughs> over at mtsgpodcast.com. Follow us on our social media. If you enjoy the show, please consider being a patron and helping support us in doing what we do or join our Modern Therapist Facebook group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Ofra Obejas. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.